Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Ephesians chapter 4. I am going to, I, I, I am thankful for the church's prayers. We uh, had the opportunity to go to uh, the camp meeting down at Brother Curtis Craven's church this week at Canaan Baptist Church in Jamestown, Tennessee. And I'll just tell you, there are a bunch of crazy people down there. Amen. Uh, <laughs> the Lord showed up and uh, it was a blessing. I mean, the Lord showed up in a big way. Uh, I got the opportunity to preach. Uh, one time, and I'll tell you, the Lord helped me, and uh, it was just it was just amazing to see how that the Lord uh, sent the messages that I needed to hear. Amen. And I'm sure there were a plenty of people in there that needed those messages as well, but there was things that, I mean, it was like the Lord hand-wrote it to me. Amen. And encouraged my heart and convicted me. Amen. Showed me uh, some darkness and some things in my life that needed to be Changed, and I mean the Lord met with me. God of heaven came to where I was, and, and, and now, after all that, showing me things, and I'm just sitting back going, wow, Lord, thank you for talking to me. Amen. And uh, this morning, as I, as I have tried to get the Lord's will on the service, uh, we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 4. We've been dealing with unity in the church, and I've preached, I guess this is the fourth message, really, uh, fifth, if you count the Sunday night service that we had uh, on Vision Sunday, but really the fourth just scriptural sermon uh, concerning unity, and I want to go back into that this morning, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different direction. Uh, let's read verses 1 through 7 of Ephesians chapter 4. If you got your Bible there, say amen. amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I ask you, Lord, if you would, God, that you'd help me to preach this morning. God, I know, Lord, that in me there's no strength, there's no wisdom, there's no intelligence. God, there's no power and there's no authority. But God, I know that in you there is all power and all wisdom, and in your word there is all authority. And God, this morning I pray, if you would, please, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me, God, to preach in the power of the Spirit this morning. And God, give me the authority of the Word of God, Lord, to speak to these people. God, that we might be made in your image and drawn closer to you and to the cross. How greatly do we need you this morning. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I preached to you a couple weeks back on the unity of the Spirit from verses 1, 2, and 3 uh, because Paul wrote here in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 3 that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And when he said that, he summarized unity in this statement that unity of the Spirit is the unity of the brethren by the power of the Spirit. His statement is simply put, that unity inside the church, unity between God's children, can only come by the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling the children of God. That only someone who has been saved and has the Holy Spirit in their heart can have unity with the brethren. Amen. 
Someone who has not been saved cannot maintain unity with God's people. Can we say amen to that? Because His ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are above our thoughts. And, and the way that man sees things and the way that God sees things are two totally different ways. And the fact is very simple. It's like we talked about there in the book of Philippians chapter 3 where that Paul said that he has counted all things but lost that he may win Christ. The world looks at that and they say, that's silly. That doesn't make sense. That's foolish that you wouldn't go after the best job or, or you would waste your life away on something that doesn't even matter because when they look at the cross and they look at the Word of God, the Bible says it's foolishness to the natural man because he cannot discern spiritual things. But to us, it's life and it's peace. Amen. And it's all that there is. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But we understand that that unity of the Spirit can only come in the heart of someone who has the Holy Spirit. Amen. Does that make sense? But this morning as we go down through what we've been calling the seven bonds of unity in verses 4, 5, and 6, the first one we talked about last week, which is one body that we are the body of Christ. The second one, he says this, and one Spirit. And that right there, again, is the same as it was in verse number 3, is a capital S Spirit. And when in your King James Bible you see the word Spirit with a capital S, it 100% of the time is talking about the Holy Spirit. He is a person, uh, not just something, not just some power, but a person. He, he, he has a will and an existence. And that's a name, and His name is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Comforter, amen. That's Him, and this tells us that this unity of the Spirit is kept and held through the understanding that there is only one Spirit of God. Now, there are many spirits, but there is only one capital S Spirit. And as I began to look at this, and honestly, I kind of started to think, well, I've already preached a little bit on that, but the Lord showed me a lot of things that I believe He wants me to deal with. And I began to just kind of jot down some thoughts and ideas that the Lord was, was bringing to my heart from the Scripture and, and other passages. And, and what happened was, it got real big real fast. The other day when we were at, uh, at Brother Curtis's, I was sitting there by my dad who went with us, uh, and he looked at my, my, my outline, he glanced over and saw it, and he kind of looked at how long it was. And I said, I said, Dad, I don't know what to tell you. These last couple Sundays, I've been preaching for an hour. You need to pray for me. And Dad said, Son, I know what your problem is. You're dumb. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. He said, Your problem is the same problem I've got. You've got too much material. So I cut it down to one point. And I'm going to preach you one point. But don't get too excited, Brett. It's got five subpoints, so you'll be all right. I'm going to try and give you this. I think it'll help you, and I'm going to try and hurry through it. But I want you to turn through 1 John chapter 5. Uh, Y'all keep telling me not to be conscious of the time, but I'm going to try to be conscious at least a little bit this morning uh, because I don't want to wear you out. I want you to get something. And it's important that you do. Amen? It's important that you get the Word of God. I don't care if you get anything funny or witty or anything for me, the only thing I care about when you walk out of here is that hopefully the Word of God will have helped you. What thus saith the Word of God can sink down in our hearts and it can help us. Amen. So I want to give you that. I don't want to give you my opinion. I don't want to give you some, some little nugget. I just want to give you God's Word. So I'm going to try to do that. I want to talk to you this morning concerning the unity of the Spirit. First thing I want to point out to you is in 1 John and chapter number 5, and that is concerning the witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 6. The Bible says, This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, 
and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which He hath testified of His Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of His Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. First, I want to point out to you the truth of His witness. We're talking about the witness of the Spirit, the capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit. There in verse number 6, the Bible said this, This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And listen, it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is what? Truth. I want to talk about the truth of His witness. The Spirit is truth. That means that the Spirit of God will never lead you into untruth, into falsities, into lies. And when people get mixed up and they get led into false doctrines that do not agree with the Word of God, we can emphatically, without question, say it was not the Holy Spirit that led them that way. You know how we know? Because the Spirit does not tell the truth. The Spirit does not think the truth. The Spirit is truth. There is no lying in Him. There is no variance in Him. And can I just tell you this morning, the statement, live your truth, is ignorant. Your truth doesn't mean anything. Only truth that matters is His truth. And when they say live your truth, they're, they're, they're propagating a message that they've been teaching in public schools for years because they tried to teach it to me, and that's this. All truth is relative. There is no such thing as absolute truth. That's what they teach. And what that means is this. Where you live and where you were brought up and what country you were brought up in or what state or what town or whether you were brought up in the south or you were brought up in the north or brought up on a farm or brought up in an urban area or whether you were brought up a Catholic or brought up a Baptist or brought up a Muslim or, or brought up Hindu or whatever it may be, that what the way you're brought up and where you live defines truth for you. But can I tell you this morning that the Bible is true and that it is true to every person in every place and that the Holy Spirit is truth to all men and all women no matter where they were brought up. Amen. Truth is truth, and what thus saith the Word of God is true. And the Spirit is true. So, well, Brother Paul, what if the Spirit leads me and the Bible doesn't necessarily agree? Wrong Spirit. I'll show you that here in just a minute. The truth of His witness. It's very simple. He's always right, and He'll never lie to you. Amen. Amen. He's always right, and He'll never lie to you. The Holy Spirit. Secondly, I want to talk about the togetherness of His witness. In verse 6, is that, verse six down through verse number 8, uh, the author here says, uh, Brother John, Pastor John, if you will, John the Beloved, John the Revelator, is writing concerning uh, the witness, and he uses that word a lot through these verses. He talks about that witness, and that witness, that witness. And then he talks about those that bear record. And that is a witness. Amen. They're the ones who are bearing witness in heaven and in earth. Let's look at that, the togetherness of His witness. Uh, in verse number 7, it says this, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Let me warn you today, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for using commentaries and looking for, uh, for studies by other men to help you get some understanding on a verse. i got no problem with that, alright? There is no commentator that is absolutely right because none of us are absolutely pure and holy and true like the Holy Spirit. 
But let me warn you, if you go reading after some commentators who do not recognize the authority of the King James Bible, they will try to convince you that this verse doesn't belong here. They'll tell you that in some of the more modern uh, transcripts that they have, this verse is omitted. And can I tell you that that transcript is one that comes from the Vatican. Y'all know what the Vatican is? In fact, they call it the Vaticanus. That is what they, that's what a lot, of modern, uh, a lot of modern Bible translations consider to be the better translation. Uh, they're wrong, but that's what they consider, and that's the Vaticanus. Uh, and that, that Vaticanus was one they found in a trash can outside of the Vatican. And when I say that, I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek. I'm saying that historically, it was thrown away. And the reason that it was thrown away is because it had been deemed corrupted. Well, I wonder why. When it took a verse out of the Bible that talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and what happens is now many people who want to dissent on doctrine use the fact that it's not in that other version to debate that there is no Holy Trinity. Does that sound like confusion to you? Now the Trinity is present throughout the Bible, but the absence of it in this verse led a lot of modern translators to take away references of the Trinity throughout the whole Bible. Now that's a problem. Can we agree? Trying to deny the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost is, is grounds to fight on. Amen. I mean, we understand the Holy Trinity. But here in this passage, in this verse, uh, first he gives us the heavenly witness. And that's this. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Now, the Father, we know who that is, right? That's God the Father. Jehovah God. The God. God the Father. God of the Son. He was that great burning furnace there when He made that covenant with Abraham. He is God the Father. That's who He is. When Jesus came and He walked on this earth during His ministry, He said, I've come to do the will of My Father. And that's who He's talking about. The Father there in verse number 7. But not only do we see the Father, but then He says, the Word. Well, that's interesting. You say, well, who's that? Well, we know who that is because of John, the same author in John chapter 1 and verse number 1. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. That Word is the one that He spoke of in John chapter 5 as the Lord Jesus was, was speaking to those Pharisees who were wanting to kill Him because He said that I've come to do the will of my Father, and my Father and I are one. They said, we're going to kill Him. And here's what He said in John 5.30. I can of mine own self do nothing. Now that's Jesus talking. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Listen to this. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Huh. Let me ask you a simple question. Did the Lord lie? Now, if he said, I'm the Son of God, and I bear witness of myself, would it have been true that he was the Son of God? So why would he say this? Well, the reason he would say this is, if you look in your Bible and you read through the Bible, there is a constant precept, and I'm going to talk about it a little more here in a little bit, a constant precept throughout your Bible that nothing should be accepted from the voice of self. That a person cannot bear witness of themselves and it be accepted. Scripturally, in the church, in court. Amen. If today one of you were to walk up to me and say, uh, you know, Brother Joe tried to kill me last night. And Brother Joe's standing there like this, <laughs> and no one saw it, no one was present, no one could bear witness, then it wouldn't matter how loud you screamed it, it wouldn't make it true. The truth is, maybe Brother Joe did, maybe he didn't try to kill you last night. I tend to believe he probably didn't. But if you don't have a witness, no one's going to hear what you've got to say. Amen? I mean, that's in our modern day, that's just the understanding. We don't, we don't just take one word, your word, or what you said happened, when no one else can corroborate it because there's no way to prove that it's true. 
That's why the Lord taught them throughout the Bible, all the way back in the law, and I'll read to you here in a minute how, that whenever there was something going on, it was to be done before two or three witnesses. He gave them the option, two or three witnesses. Three being the best and two being optional and okay. And in this verse, you know what he gave us? Three witnesses. God the Father, God the Word, which is God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Lord says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. And when he said that, he wasn't saying I'm lying. He's saying, if I'm the only one talking, that's not enough. God has declared that truth must be established before two or three witnesses. And so Jesus said this, the Father has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Verse 32, there is another that beareth witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. He, he sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. He's talking about John the Baptist, that John the Baptist bore witness of him. And I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. Still talking about John the Baptist. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. So he said his works were his witness. And then he said this, And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not had his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Here's what the Lord said, My works are a witness for me, the word of God is a witness for me, and my Father is a witness for me. And when he said my Father, and he talked about that, I'm reminded of the time that the Lord, the Father, God, He gave witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we also see there another figure, the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, we have the third witness given in verse 7, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in John 16, 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. And in John chapter 1, and verse 32, John the, the Baptist bare record, saying this, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And in Matthew chapter 3, in that same account, it said that when Jesus was baptized, he went straight up out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus did not show up and say, Hey guys, I'm the Son of God. You can take my word for it. He showed up and he said, I, I don't bear witness of myself. I come to do the works that my Father sent me to do, and my works prove who I am. I come in the name of the Father, and the Spirit has descended on me, and John is my witness that the Spirit bore witness for me, and He's also my witness that the Father bore witness for me. Who's the witness in heaven? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Now in this passage, John is giving the, the defense for the cause and the case for Christ. How do we know Jesus is the Son of God? Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three said it's Him. And he says this, we have not only the witness in heaven, let me hurry, we have the witness in earth. My wife said i got to stop saying let me hurry. That's one. You keeping count? Verse 6 said this, in our passage, verse 6 said this in 1 John chapter 5, this is He who came by water, that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And then in verse 8 it says this, there are three that bear witness in earth, in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Well, what is that? Well, we know who the Spirit is. You know how we know? Because it's a capital S again. Right there in verse number 8. Capital S. I'm sorry, it's not a capital S. I'm wrong. 
It's still the Spirit. We have it here. The Holy Spirit bearing record with our spirit. We have a connection here between the Lord and we have a connection between ourselves here in the book of John chapter 5. And it's very simply this, that the Spirit, the blood, and the water all bore record of Jesus Christ. Let me mention this to you quickly and I'll move on. I, don't want to, I hope I'm not boring you this morning. The Spirit, we, I read to you there in, first, in John chapter 1 and verse 32, the Spirit bore witness of His person. When the Holy Spirit descended on Him there in abode, it showed to John, because God told him it would, that he was the Son of God, and that he was the one who would come and baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. And we saw that dove come down and light on him, and there the Lord Jesus received the witness of the Spirit. Then we have the witness of the water, and the witness of the water is also present there as the Lord Jesus is being baptized in the water. You know what that baptism was a symbol of? Because can I tell you this morning, baptism in water does not cleanse you of sin. But it is a symbol of being cleansed from sin. Our baptism, and the reason we are baptized is because Jesus was baptized. And when we are baptized, we are taking on a figure of our Lord as He went down, died, and rose again. So do we go down the old man, wash, and come up the new man. It doesn't actually wash us. It is just a public presentation of what occurred in salvation. That water represents not, not the person of the Lord, but the power of the Lord. And that is His power to forgive sins. Amen. To wash us white as snow. And we know that it represents that power because it's that, that's what it is. It's an image of going down and being cleansed. And not just that, but when John would preach, he'd say this. Repent. 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 Amen. Did you know there's a movement today that says repentance has nothing to do with Christianity? <laughs> they should check with John the Baptist. Jesus who said, well, this is my witness. And this, there's never a better man born of woman than John the Baptist. He had it right. And what was his message? Repent. 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 So that water, that baptism, when they would come and be baptized by John, it was a symbol of their repentance. And that the power of God comes down and that He cleanses us and takes us from our sin and sets us on a path of righteousness. Amen. Then we see not only the Spirit and the water, but we see the blood. Hebrews 9.13 says this, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal, capital S, Spirit, offered Himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The blood was His purpose. Jesus came for one reason, to die. Jesus did not come to heal the sick. He did not come to make the blind to see. He did those things to prove that He was God. He said, my works that I do, that my Father sent me to do, those are witness to me. The, the healing of the blind, the raising of the dead, the healing of the sick, the miraculous things He did with helping them catch the fish and turning the water to wine, and, and all the many things that our Lord did when He was here, it was for the purpose of helping people that needed help and proving that He was who He said He was. It was a testimony and a witness of Him that He was the Son of God, but His purpose, what He came to do, was shed every drop of His blood for you. That's what He came to do. And that's what His blood is, the witness. Let me, let me move on. We see not only the truth of His witness of the Spirit, not only the togetherness of His witness, and the togetherness very simply is this. They all agree. God the Father... God the Son and God the Spirit never have disagreement. I read you a verse there. I want to mention this before I move on because it's important. I read you a verse there in talking about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. Here's what the Lord Jesus said. Howbeit, talking about when the Spirit would come after He ascended to the Father, He said, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. He's truth. He will guide you into all truth. Listen to this. 
For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Lord Jesus said this, when the Holy Spirit comes, he is never going to talk about himself. He's going to talk about me. Who? The Son. The Spirit always points and speaks toward the Son. The Son always points and speaks toward the Father. Beware any doctrine that glorifies the Spirit above the Son. When He comes, He will not, He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine and show it unto you. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us Christ and to point us toward Christ, never toward himself, always toward Christ. And Christ ever may, liveth to make intercession for us. He hears from us through the Spirit and he speaks to his Father on our behalf and he points toward the Father and he says, I've come to do the will of my Father. I can't give witness of myself. My Father bears witness of me. I've come to do his will. I'm one with him. It's all him. And the Spirit says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You see that? They're in agreement. So, well, no, they're not. One's pointing toward the other, and the other's pointing to the other. That's right. They're all in complete agreement and complete, if you will, submission one to another. Never do they get jealous or argue or complain, and never should we. Amen. They are the perfect picture of unity. That's what they are. That's what they are. Let me move on. Let me talk to you about the trumping of his witness. That word trumping, to trump something, means for it to be better or to win over. Amen? To win over something. I don't know if any of y'all have ever played that card game Rook or Spades, but the whole premise of that game is you've got this one card or this one set that always beats any other. Well, can I tell you what the Bible says here about the witness of God in verse number 9 of our passage in 1 John chapter 5? If we receive the witness of men... The witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. First we see, concerning the trumping, it's better. Amen. You know what would do us all good? And I want you to hear this this morning. If you've, if you've kind of fallen asleep or checked out, look up at me. Never believe man's word over God. Is that simple enough? Let God be true and every man a liar. Isn't that what the Bible says? The witness of man is never better than the witness of God. It doesn't matter if they say, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Well, it's not supposed to make sense to you. It's God. His ways are above our ways. But you know what? Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it's not right. If it's in the Word of God, it's right. So even in 2021, absolutely. Absolutely. From the beginning to the end, no matter what, the witness of God and what saith the word of God is always right. Amen. Amen. It's better. Verse 10 says this, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. This verse addresses something that I've always thought was interesting about the way the world thinks. They think by not going to church, and I've seen Christians do this. Well, you know what? I'm just, I, I don't like what that preacher's saying, and, and I don't like what's being preached there, and I, I don't like what's going on, so I'm just going to stay home. I, I'm not going to go back to church, and, and I'll be fine, and, I, and I'm, I'm saved, and, and I know God, and I'll be okay, and I'll be here. Well, here's the problem. They think that if they're out of ears' reach, it doesn't apply to them. But it still applies to them. They're still accountable for it. The Bible tells us there was a time when God winked at ignorance. But that time's past. Because we have a complete word right here. When that which is whole and complete is come, that which was perfect is come. Here it is. We've got it. And guess what? Every Christian on earth that's got the Holy Ghost living inside of them tells us here in verse number 9, it said, they have the witness of God in them. 
They have the witness in verse 10 says this, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. You know what the witness is? The Spirit. The Spirit is the witness. The witness in us is the Spirit of truth. That's what it is. He has come. The Bible tells us that He dwells in us. And so if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have the witness of God and the witness of truth in us. There's a bunch of Christians laying out of church and laying out on God and quitting on God, and they're telling themselves, you know what, I'm fine. I'm fine the way I am. Everything's cool. Everything's fine. I don't have to go. I've been saved. I I, I believe on the Son of God. You know what this verse says? You say you got the witness in yourself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Oh, I've got the Son of God in me and I'm saved. But you just aren't going to believe the Bible. You're not going to believe the Bible when it says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, much the more as you see the day approaching. You're not going to believe the Word of God where it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. You're not going to believe the Word of God where it said we're supposed to meditate on it day and night in His Word. You're not going to believe God when He tells us not to sin and when He tells us to love one another and when He tells us to walk in truth and to walk in the Spirit. You're, you're, I, you know, I, I got most of this, but I just don't agree with that. Well, what you're doing is you're saying this, God's a liar. And I got to tell you, friend, I wouldn't want to be the one pointing a finger in God's face and saying, you're a liar. Oh, my soul. They have made him a liar in their hearts. Uh, I'll take what I, I... I agree with this, but I, I told you earlier, those commentators... Sometimes you've got to just take the good and leave the bad. Can I tell you, there's no bad to leave with God. There's no no trimming of the fat with God. You take it all because it's all good. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. I mean, it's all good. It's all there and we ought to take it all and we ought to believe it all. Talk about not only is it better, but it's about belief. You think, well, you know what? I'll, I'll believe what I want to believe in. And don't believe what I don't want to believe. Okay, so to you, God's a liar. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Yes, you are. Because it's either all true or none of it is. There, there is no half measure. You cannot serve two masters. You can't be double-minded. It either is or it isn't. The trumping of his witness is this. God is always right. Amen. Let me move on. Fourthly, we see the testing of His witness in verse 11. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. First, I want you to see the precept of the witnesses. I'll read you a verse uh, quickly for the sake of time in Deuteronomy chapter 17. All the way back when God gave the law to Moses, he told him this in Deuteronomy 17, 6. At the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. All the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, and in the establishment of the law of God, God declared to them plainly and clearly, one witness is not enough. Can we see that? Can y'all see that? Say amen. The precept of the scripture is this. One witness is not enough. It's a start, but it's not enough. The Lord taught them for something to be accepted as truth, it must be presented by the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses. Three obviously being better than two, but two being acceptable. When it came to the law, the precept is clear. You should never just take a man at his word without witnesses. It's a harsh thing to say, isn't it? And you know, we're talk, when we're talking in this verse, we're talking about life and death. Y'all see that? He said, a man shall be put worthy of death, be put to death. That's a pretty serious matter. Now, regarding some small thing, you know, you can go on and trust. You know, I trust that if you say you had pizza for dinner, you probably did. I don't know why you'd lie to me about that. 
unless you just really like to lie, but, you know, I can trust you, you know. And even in important things, someone that you know and someone that you've come to know and you've learned, you might trust them. I'm telling you, you shouldn't trust somebody ever. Or I'm telling you this, concerning the matters of life and death, one witness is not enough. I mean, is that clear in the Scripture? So that's the precept of the witnesses. Then I want you to see the presence of the witnesses. The Bible told us this in our passage, that those that bear record in heaven, there are three witnesses. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Told us this concerning things that are in the earth. There are three that bear witnesses, that bear witness, and that they all agree. And those three were the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And we see those witnesses in the Lord Jesus Christ when he was on the earth. And they bore witness that he was the Son of God. Amen. So let's look at this here. We see concerning witnesses in our lives. Because right now I know some of you are all sitting here thinking, this is all great and well. But honestly, Brother Paul, what does this have to do with me? Well, let me tell you. In your life, if there's no witnesses, there's no proof. In the book of John, chapter 5, and verse 11 and 12, and in verse 9 and 10, rather, he is dealing with people who say they have the Spirit, but they've got no witness. Where are the presence, the, where's the presence of the witnesses in your life? Because I'm going to tell you what, I told you at the beginning of this message, I told you very plainly and very simply, people who aren't saved and don't have the Holy Spirit cannot be in unity. This morning I look around and, and you know, I could ask for testimonies this morning. I ask for your testimony of salvation. Many of y'all... Most of you, as I look around, I've never heard your testimony of salvation. But many of you have heard one another's testimony of salvation because you've known each other for years and you've been in this church. And, and no doubt, at times, this one has stood and gave a testimony and this one hasn't. Some of you have shared that with me, but many of you have not. Not that it matters. You know, I have nothing. My, my knowledge of your testimony doesn't change it one iota. But the fact is this, your testimony and your witness, if it is only by your mouth professing faith, that's one witness. Can y'all see that? That's one witness. So let's look at what the Bible calls witnesses in our lives. The Spirit. We're talking about the Spirit, aren't we? The witness of the Spirit. Is that what we're talking about? In our passage that we read in John chapter 5, this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son, and he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He told us there in verse 9 that we receive the witness of God, and in verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. And that witness is the Holy Spirit. That witness in ourselves, that's the Holy Ghost. And if we're saved, then the Holy Ghost abides in us. Let me read you a verse that is often misquoted uh, and it's misquoted, I do believe, innocently. Very innocently. But what it is, is it's Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit is a capital S, Spirit. Beareth witness with our lowercase spirit. Now why? There are times, I'll say this in the Bible, where it uses a lowercase s, and that it's referring to the Spirit of God. But there's never a time that it's using a capital S and it's not referring to the Spirit of God. And now why would the author have a capital S there and a lowercase s after it? Because it's two different. One is mine and one is his. What's it say? The Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit itself, beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. This verse is often quoted as this, my spirit bears witness with your spirit that we are the children of God. That's not what it says. The, the, now, the, the concept is fine, and it can, be, it can be supported otherwise in the Scripture, and that's this, that if we are saved, the Bible gives us spiritual discernment, and that when we're around other saved people, uh, oftentimes the Holy Spirit will speak to us, and, and we will find that familiarity and even here, we can see that at times, the Holy Spirit's bearing witness with my spirit, and He's bearing witness with your spirit, 
And we've got the same Spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? But that's not what this verse says. It doesn't say that my Spirit can tell that your Spirit is a child of God and I'm a child of God and you're a child of God. That's not what this verse says. What this verse says is the Holy Spirit will bear witness with my Spirit that I am a child of God. The Holy Ghost will be a witness in your life to you. At times, people struggle with nailing down their salvation and and their assurance of salvation. And sometimes, most of the time I would even say, that's insecurities and fears and the devil getting in our head and trying to mess us up. But I remember as a young man, I was probably a teenager, I was definitely a teenager, maybe late teens, I'd already professed to be called to preach, and I sat in the service and this woman, there was just a powerful presence of conviction I mean God was just moving in and and if I'd have been lost in that service I gotta tell you I couldn't have left lost and I began to fear in my heart Lord am I saved I mean I'd done made a profession of faith and had done been preaching and I went to the altar because I thought man you know what I sure wouldn't want to get this thing wrong and I went down and prayed and I said Lord am I saved Lord save save me if I'm lost and I felt like such a fool in that moment because the Holy Spirit bore witness in me saying no 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 No, you're saved. Amen? And he gave me that assurance. And I can honestly say I've never doubted it since that day. I mean, I've had thoughts, but never, never did it get in because the Holy Spirit bears, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Let me move on. The Word of God is also a witness in us. Amen? In fact, I'd say he's the strongest witness. Because the the sad part of it, the truth is this. You know how I know from you, that I know that the Spirit, you know, how I find out that the Spirit is bearing witness with you, you tell me. Amen? I walk up, Brother Jeff. Hey, Brother Jeff, you've been saved? Amen. I've been saved. Well, how do you know? Well, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and He came into my heart, and I've been saved. Amen. Hallelujah. The only witness that I know is your witness. I, I didn't see a dove come down on you like John did to the Lord Jesus. Amen? It's just your witness. So there's got to be more than that. According to the scripture before it, if it's a matter of life and death, and can I just say, there is no matter of life and death more important than that of salvation. None. The word of God. 1 John 1.10. I'm just going to just real quick spout off these verses to you. 1 John 1.10. If we say that we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 1 John 2.4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 1 John 2, 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. How do we know? Because we keep his word. His word is a witness. 1 John 2, 21. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. 1 John 4, 20. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. You know what John's talking about all through his book? There's a lot of people saying with their mouths they love God. They're saying with their mouths they're saved, and that he dwells in them, and that truth is in them, and that light is in them. But the word disagrees. Over to the Paul, I know God and I love God and I've got God in me, but you hate your brother. Well, John said you're a liar and the truth's not in you. Let me clarify. I didn't say that. I would would never say something like that. John said it. And we either believe the word of God or we don't. And John said this. You can say it all you want, but the Word has got to back it up or it can't be accepted. Oh, I love God, and you weren't there when I got saved. I love God, but your life is full of hatred and variance and tearing others down and backbiting and fighting. And you you couldn't go to that one and hug them in a Sunday morning service, and you couldn't shake their hand, and when they walk in the back, you're distracted because you've got envy in your heart toward them, can I tell you? That the Bible says a person who's saved can't live like that. Now, sometimes that stuff will get in us, but I'm talking about those people that every time somebody's mad, they're mad. 
Every time somebody's got hatred, they've got hatred. Amen? It's in their heart. It's a root. It's bitterness. It's deep in them. And the Bible says this, how can you love God who you're not seen and hate your brother who you have seen? The word of God is a witness. Can we see that? The works of righteousness are a witness. What did Jesus say? He said, my works that I've come to do, that my Father sent me to do, they speak of me. They were a witness to him. In the book of James, chapter 2, verse 17, says this. And a lot of times this is taken out of context and misused. So let me show you what he's saying here in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? You know why faith without works is dead? Because your mouth is not a strong witness. I have faith. I know God. I had an experience and was saved. But you don't go to church. There's no presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's no presence of the, of the works of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in your life of love, joy, peace, meekness, long-suffering, gentleness. There's none of that stuff in your life. You're angry all the time. You're hateful all the time. Nobody wants to be around you. You don't want to go to church. Amen. And I hope, I'm saying, are you talking about me? I hope not. Amen. I'm certainly not trying to talk about you. I'm talking about those who have no witness of the Word of God. They have no witness of the Spirit of God. But they'll stand up today and say, hey man, you know what? I'm saved. They live a wicked lifestyle. They do what they want. They go where they want. They say what they want. Oh, but I, when I, I know where I'm going when I die. Do you? My Bible tells me that your word is not a strong witness. Amen. John 15, 5 says this, the Lord Jesus talking, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Huh. But Paul, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I was saved when I was asked six years old or something. I don't really remember uh, much about it, but, but I know I was there and I know what happened and and yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been, and I'm not downplaying that. I don't remember much about the night I got saved, other than the fact that I got saved. I was eight years old. But you know what I can, you know what I can talk? I don't, when I want to talk to somebody about being saved, I don't have to go back to 1995. I can go to last week. When the Holy Spirit witnessed in my heart. Amen. And I, and I could give witness like John the Baptist did of others in here who I have seen the fruit of the Spirit in you. And I have seen you worship the Spirit in truth. And I have seen God working in your heart. And I have seen you doing the works of the Spirit. And I've heard the testimony of your mouth. And I've seen the testimony of the Word of God in you. I've seen it. And, I, and there's many of you this morning that I would gladly give testimony. I believe they're saved. Amen. That won't get you into heaven. My testimony. But I, I would say, I can see those things. But you know what? I've talked to you about the precept of the witnesses and the presence of the witnesses, and I've got to tell you, if the witnesses of the Spirit, the Word, and the works of righteousness by faith are not in you, then I don't have to take your word for it. I, we're, I know we're on live stream this morning, so I won't give too many details. But I'll say this, I was at a funeral about two years ago or so. Someone that none of you all would know. Someone that I didn't know all that well, but was connected to in some way. And I was there at their funeral. They died very suddenly. Unexpected and pretty young. In the, I believe their late 30s or very, very early 40s. And a preacher got up. And preached them into heaven. Y'all know what I'm saying when I say that? If you'd never known that person to hear that preacher talk, they were a pinnacle of society. 
But that person was involved in the selling and using of drugs uh, illegally. They were, they had not been to church, as far as I know, in decades, unless maybe, you know, for an Easter service, like you said, brother, or, or, some, or a wedding. They were adamantly clear that they were not interested in church. They did not want to go to church. They didn't care anything about church. Their life was full of sin. I mean, the most wicked sins that you think about, this person was involved in personally. But as a very young person at Bible school or something, they had went to the altar and made a profession of faith and then got up. And from the moment they had their own agency and they were no longer under the rule of their parents, who were not good godly parents, they went out into a world of sin and degradation and never looked back. Now, I'd like to believe that that person truly got saved, that they truly did. Amen. I, and, and I hope that they did. The Bible tells us here we have one hope. But you know what? I don't know that. The only witness that she had was this. One time I said I got saved. That's tough, isn't it? Under no circumstances would I ever want to think that that person has gone to a devil's hell. I don't want that. But I'll never know. Not till I get to the other side. And I pray, I mean, I, I, there's no point in praying, but I hope that, that she did. And that because of circumstances, she just lived miserably and rejected the truth and just constantly in turmoil with the Holy Spirit in her heart trying to get her to go to church. No, no, no. Because I've seen that. My grandfather was, a, was an alcohol for almost 20, was an alcoholic for almost 20 years miserable and out of church, got saved as a young man, and eventually God and His grace restored him, and now he's in church and has been for 15 years now. And, and the, the, I mean, but even when he was in that world, I'll tell you, out in sin, I saw the witness of the shame that the Bible tells me that a Christian has when they live in sin, and how that you cannot live in sin as a Christian and be at peace. Amen. And I saw those things. In this person, I never saw that. They were wicked and glad to be. Happy about it, in your face about it. They would flaunt their sin. Let me ask you this very simple question this morning. Because I'm afraid that maybe you've heard, well, if somebody says they're saved, you just got to take it. Can I tell you what the Bible says this morning? The Bible says that before the mouth of two or three witnesses concerning matters of life and death, I mean, it's a precept from all the way back in the law. Are you all still with me today? But with the mouth of one witness, it says, you can not accept it. Jesus, the Son of God, He could have stepped out. He could have stepped out and transformed into His full glory before the Sanhedrin before the Pharisees. He did before Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. He showed them a picture of His glory. He could have stepped up into the synagogue and said, look upon me for I am God and transform before them the Shekinah glory of God and I mean put it on and there would have been no debate. But He didn't. You know why? Because he wanted you to know something. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. I'm talking about the Son of God. We couldn't just take his word for it, but I'm supposed to just take yours. We're just supposed to take theirs. Just because they said it. Now Jesus wasn't good enough for him, but it's good enough for you and me. No. Let me submit to you, if your testimony is sitting in church and never moving, 
never worshiping, never bowing the knee, never ever showing the witness of the Holy Spirit drawing you closer to Him, your witness is getting weaker. If your witness in this life is that you live a wicked lifestyle and you do nothing for God and there are no works by faith as James spoke about, show me your works or your faith without works and I'll show you about my faith by my works. That's what he said. If that's not in you and every word that comes out of your mouth is a hateful, sarcastic, a just, just terrible thing and you're just, a, you're just a wretched person, but oh, I'm saved, are you? Because I'm going to tell you this morning, I don't have to believe you, neither do any, does anybody else in here, but at the end of the day, that don't matter. You know what does? That you're saved. Where's the proof of God in you? Is there one in here this morning who's got faith professed without works? Do you know God? Does He know you? Are you in Him? Is He in you? Do you have the witness of the Spirit and the witness of the Word? Do you? Is it in you? I don't believe in salvation by works. Salvation is something that only takes place by grace and faith, and your works won't get you into heaven. But I'll tell you this, if the Holy Spirit comes into you, He is going to work through you. That's what Jesus said. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if you're a branch off my vine, that branch is going to bear fruit. You better believe it is. How can a branch tied to Jesus not bear fruit? Now, some will bear more than others, but they'll all bear fruit. Are you saved this morning? Is the proof of the witness in you? Because I'll tell you this, if we got people in the church and we're trying to be in unity and we're trying to go forward, but you're not even saved, and all you've got is the witness of your own mouth, there will be no unity. We need Him. I don't, I don't ever want to leave this world with people looking at my life and wondering, did He have, He said He did, so we'll just hope that's it. No, I want there to be a witness. The witness of the Word and the Spirit and the works of righteousness by Christ. Are those in you this morning? Do you know him? Well, Paul, I know him, but you know what? I've got, I've got family and I've got friends, and you know, they've always told me they're saved, but when I look at their life, you ought to pray for them. There is this idea in our country, especially in the South, where everybody on every street is a Baptist or at least says they're a Christian. And we believe that, well, they say they are, we just need to believe that. But the truth is, we don't. We do them a disservice when we do that. When we write them off into heaven and they're headed for hell, really? We're doing them a disservice. So let's all stand. I hope this morning that the witness of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is in you. I hope that you know Him. I hope that you don't just say that you know Him, but that you do. If there's one this morning, you would say, honestly, Brother Paul, I don't have the witness of the Word of God in my life. I don't have the witness of the Holy Spirit. I don't have the witness of the works of righteousness. Maybe you ought to come pray. You can play softly whenever you want to, Miss Brandy. I, you know, a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, you're just trying to talk people out of their salvation. You can't talk somebody who's saved out of being saved. I am trying to talk you out of anything. I'm just trying to show you very plainly. If we're going to work together in this church and we're going to go forward, we're not going to do it without the Spirit of God. We need the witness living in us. Amen? Amen? We need Him. I want, a, I want a church full of saved people. Amen? A church full of people who are filled with the Spirit, don't you? I mean, what kind of pastor would I be if I sat up here and said, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and I get up here and I give some flowery, nice message to y'all, and y'all go home feeling good, and from Monday to, to Wednesday, and Wednesday to Sunday, I just live for me. 
I bear no fruit. Well, my witness wouldn't be any good either. Jesus said, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Father in heaven this morning, God, I pray, Lord, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. God, the verse told us very clearly there in the book of Romans that your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Lord, I pray this morning under the sound of my voice, every individual, God who is saved, that the Holy Spirit would affirm in their hearts right now that they're saved. God, that you would give sure assurance, pure, unadulterated assurance to the heart of every saved Christian in this church this morning. God, if there's one who has been battling doubt and and God has been battling thoughts of fear in their heart, Lord, and they're saved, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would whisper to them in that still small voice and say, you're mine. And God, in every heart of every Christian that's saved this morning, God, that the Holy Spirit would have liberty and free reign, God, that you'd teach us, Lord, to, to honor you, to follow your word, to do the works of righteousness by the power of the Spirit and to work in us. But God, this morning I pray, if there is one individual or more in here this morning, God, that is not saved, that has never come to know you in the fullness of life, and God, as their heart, is quiet. I pray, God, that you'd send them the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you'd show them that they're not saved. God, show them the glaring absence of the witnesses of the Word of God and the Spirit in their life, Lord. Show them their state. Save them. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.